All right, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want more information on my company, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. My co-hosts tonight are Brad and Carrie Hoppy with Musky Mayhem Tackle. And if you want to find out more about them, you can check out MuskyMayhemTackle.com. So we have no guests tonight. We're losers, can't find anybody to talk to. So it's just uh-huh. me, Brad, and Carrie. <laughs> Actually, it's not true. The, the truth behind it is... I had some stuff going on in my life in the last two weeks, and it kind of took up more time than it should. So in order for us to get a podcast out this coming week, we needed to just kind of throw an impromptu one together, which we had kind of talked about previously. And so we're going to get that together today. We're going to talk about Black Friday with Muskie Mayhem Tackle and Team Rhino Outdoors. And then we're also going to do, we've had some people want to talk about night fishing. So Brad's an expert in night fishing. At least that's what he tells me. Carrie is like the second best night fishing person that you know. So she's going <laughs> to offer her information. And I'm just going to record the podcast and ask questions. So, Brad and Carrie, how are you guys doing today, anyways? Good. We're doing good, Jeff. Thanks for having us again. Yeah, I don't know if we're experts, but uh, we've caught a couple after dark. So, I think I've caught more fish in the dark than I have in the daylight, honestly. Purely because that is when I had time to go fishing, though. I think I've spent almost no time fishing at night. That's actually not true. A few years ago, quite a few years ago, actually, because time's getting slipping away. I had a um, I had a pretty good night bite, actually. That was, if I went out and I fished, not to pump, pump mus- musky mayhem tackle products, but if I'd go out and I'd fish a cowgirl with, I'd have to have to, some color on the blades, it seemed like, because the water I was fishing was kind of dark. And if I would just slow roll those things, like painfully slow, like Brad talks about on every episode, I would, all I'd have to do is put in my time. And during this particular time, I would catch a muskie every single night. My brother-in-law has a, his family's got a place on the lake and I took him out and he's like, how'd you figure this out? And I'm like, well, when I saw the crappies popping on the surface over there, I knew for sure that there was muskies in the area and I just pounded it until I caught one. And then... I did the same thing the next night, and I did the same thing the next night, and it was just a great bite. Oddly enough, I've never been able to replicate it on that lake since. It's the weirdest thing. You got to find the crappies. I'm just not that good. Maybe I need my side imaging more. I don't know. Side imaging definitely helps you find crappies. There's no doubt about that. When we're trolling around out there, you see them a lot. So it's kind of a cool way to find them. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. You know, has the water levels changed a bunch weed lines changed at all jeff i mean why do you think that you're not catching them there now honestly i'm not really sure like the it was generally around in a in an area where there was pretty heavy crib activity you know there's like quite a few cribs in the area so those haven't changed because i know they're still there i marked them multiple times since i don't know if maybe they've they've also maybe put a few other cribs in the lake so maybe they've moved a little bit or the concentration isn't so heavy in those areas as much the weed line it never develops really because it's really dark stained water so that doesn't really work i don't know i'm not exactly sure what the problem would be I it doesn't make sense to me you would think that you'd be able to replicate that again it's also possible i just don't fish that particular lake as much anymore either i used to fish it quite a bit now i've kind of expanded my horizons out a little farther so it's possible i'm not fishing it as much right well i mean i When I target a body of water for night fishing, um, whether it be clear or stained water, you know, one of the things that you said, it's colored blades. And 
and it's really interesting. You know, everybody thinks that black nickel or black black, you know, silhouetted bait is the the bait of choice. But I do believe, you know, one of the neatest things for us uh, back years ago when when the Malax phenomenon was going, we pretty much lived like vampires when we were guiding out there. <laughs> we uh, we slept pretty much all day and fished pretty much all night. But one of the things that I've always done when I attack uh, a body of water is I'd like to get out there two, three, four hours before sunset so that, you know, hopefully you can find some of those fish before you go target them after the dark. So I'm assuming, Brad, if you're out there at night, I'll play kind of like, I'll play like I don't know, even though I do know a few things. I'm just doing it more for, you know, the people that wouldn't know. I'm going to try to ask some questions that maybe I know the answers to. But I'm also, like I said, I'll be straight up. I'm not, I'm not the greatest night fisherman because I don't do a lot of it. But I'm assuming you're still looking, you're still revolving around moon phases and all that, right, Brad? I mean, like if there's, you know, moonrise, moonset, whatever, at 3 in the morning, you're still obviously trying to target those those windows definitely i mean all those key points your minors and majors are huge factors as well as your sunset moonrise moonset moon moon underfoot moon above head you know those are they're critical points to musky fishing no matter what time of the day or night it is and so yes you definitely want to use that but you know we also find you know different times over the years a certain time, say like an hour, hour and a half after dark, you'd get bit, boom, boom, whether there was a major or minor or any other type of moon phase, it it just was a time during the day. I noticed that this summer, six o'clock, almost every day this summer, we would catch a fish. It didn't matter if the moon was there or not. So weird things like that happen. And I've seen that happen after dark as well, where you know, it's a certain period after that sun goes down and the moon doesn't really necessarily have the effect on it. So you just got to pay attention. And uh, maybe it's a certain bug hatch that happens an hour after sunset. And that bug hatch gets the bait fish going. From there, the muskies are going to, to eat as well. Sometimes it's the amount of not maybe not so much the pull of the moon, but how much light pollution the moon is giving off also whether it's super black or it's super bright is kind of critical on what you're doing or what you're using when you're fishing at night too. Yeah. What Carrie's saying there is kind of what I started to talk about when I was talking about Malax and you, you'd mentioned colored blades were really effective and light pollution might not only be the moon, it might be shoreline lights or it might be a town that's really close or somebody's got a bunch of lights on their property, whatever it might be, that's light pollution. And a lot of time I've noticed a lot that pink blades as well as chartreuse blades will outperform the nickel and the black nickel type silhouette bait, like I'd mentioned before. So it's, it's unique, but it's something that we learned kind of on Mille Lacs and I've taken that on many different bodies of water throughout Minnesota, even Wisconsin and Canada. So something to think about you know you throw some different baits into the mix after dark and it can be the answer so then a couple things on that brad carrie kind of touched on light pollution you talked about it a little bit too so do you have do you prefer a new moon or do you prefer a full moon when you're going to go night fishing i know for somebody to try to just you know somebody to go out and do it it's probably going to be easier with a full moon because you're going to get some light off the moon so you're not out there in the pitch black 
in your in what you've seen on the water is that the best way to go i mean is that the best moon or is it the new moon some people want to be where it's pitch black they don't want anything so in your opinion since you've done a lot of it especially during like the heyday mlx is there one that's better than another i i wouldn't say that there's one better than the other i definitely have always been a new moon guy i prefer it daytime and nighttime but Honestly, I mean, if you were to go back and look at all the different fish that have been caught, whether it be in my boat or other people's boats that I've talked to, that hasn't been a true big factor, I would say. I remember back when Carrie and I were involved and we were doing our very first video, Big Blades, Big Muskies. And one of the things that happened then was a a giant full moon. And I don't know, was that Harvest Moon, Carrie? Remember that coming up? That was perfect timing. It was perfect timing. Yep. I'm sorry. It was perfect timing, the video that we did. And that was after dark and it was phenomenal. I mean, so, I mean, it goes both ways. I, I would say I like it darker than more light, I should say. So if you're a rookie though, more light is easier. You know, you can still see things if you have a big moon or so if you want to get used to night fishing or get better at night fishing and you might want to do it when the the night's not as not so black here and there. It does make it a little bit easier fishing-wise, though. I guess I've probably done better the darker it is. I've caught fish with moons, too, but sometimes the moon, sometimes the fishing's better before the moon comes up. And once the moon comes up, it shuts off, um, you know, because it's lighter. You just you just have to choose your baits, whether you're going to go plated or versus painted blades-wise. You know, some will definitely work better depending on the light conditions. So then is there, let's talk about your boat setup. Since we talked about a little bit about, oh, let me, the other thing we can talk about too is baits that we use too, other than just blades. Obviously we know blades are going to work, but let's just talk about boat setup for a little bit, Brad and Carrie. Are you, is there, what are you doing differently inside in your boat to try to make things? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming a couple things off the top of my head would be stow away your baits that you're not using because obviously in the dark there's more issues there you know do you have your net no that would be no fun jeff you have to have a little adventure well i'm not quite that adventurous (laughs) i would like to say that i do that jeff but i don't you know in the boats that i'm fishing there's quite a bit of room so generally speaking the baits are in a pile somewhere out of the way so the guys aren't stepping on them and what have you but yeah by rights you should have things kind of clean in your boat and organized so that you're not having those issues but ultimately you know the real deal after dark it's amazing and and i think carrie mentioned this before we started podcasting but you truly really get in touch with your ears your your hands the feeling of the rod and the reel versus and your bait yeah you're really in tune with your your setup more so than you are visually. I think as humans, we all visually use our eyes for everything that we do. I don't care what it is, but our eyes are our go-to sense. But we have all these other senses that that really peak when you start doing stuff after dark. That is only applies if you can ignore the bugs, though. If you're a person who can't ignore the bugs, you might as well maybe just keep fishing in the day because the bugs can be ferocious. Well, it's funny you mentioned bugs because that was the one thing that we had talked previously when we were kind of talking about our topic for today was you're like, well, why don't you do more night fishing? And I'm like, well, mainly because I hate the bugs. 
Is there something you guys do to combat that? I know for me personally, I don't think I've I don't think I've done much night fishing since sun scarfs have become really popular in the last three four years. You know, is there a certain product you use? I know Sims makes like their bug stopper stuff, and I've heard that works, but I don't know from experience. Do you guys have any tips for guys? I mean, are you out there spraying down? You have certain gear. You have certain gear you're using. Never. I I actually carry did buy us some bug suits. I think mine remained in packaging for I don't know how many years in the boat. Oh, sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah like that. Sweatshirt. they do. They do work. Usually, if you're in the, a big enough body of water, you're gonna get lake flies, and I call them crawly bugs. But if you if you're in a big enough body of water and you start on a piece of structure that's kind of in the middle of the body of water where you're not anywhere near shore, you don't attract the mosquitoes and the bitey bugs. And if you wait, what an hour? Forty five minutes to sixty five minutes. A lot of times the mosquitoes go away the mosquitoes go away for the most part you'll still deal with lake flies but they just crawl on you yeah i mean if if you're not into having bugs crawling up your shorts and everywhere else night fishing probably isn't for you but you know i've i've had clients literally where i've planned my whole day as being a night fishing deal and we fish two to three four hours before dark and it gets dark and I've had guys just literally freak out on me and say, get me out of here. I'll pay you whatever. Just you got to get me to shore. I can't handle this. So I've seen that. And then there's other guys that will say, all right, I don't care how hot it is. I need to put my rain gear on. I cannot stand bugs crawling on me. So some people choose to use the rain gear as that bug suit, if you will. But uh, they still get in it, though. Yeah, they're still going to, you know, you're always going to have a few. I think the most irritating part of bugs, in my opinion, is when they crawl in in your eyes. You know what I mean? Um, I hate that. But otherwise, I can pretty much deal with it. And I think part of that goes back to when I said we use other senses. And literally becoming in tune with your bait and the equipment that you're using becomes so dominant that the bugs are kind of like maybe third or fourth on the list ultimately mm-hmm. the only time that they freak me out and we have to leave is if they're so thick and i can't breathe then i've been in malax a few times and that's happened and then we definitely have to move because you can't breathe without sucking in bugs it's off that's awful <laughs> i've seen it that way in the daytime on malax as well, well. yeah um, we, i've lived that one too it was not cool it was we have to go right now because you can't breathe through your mouth you can't breathe through your nose you just you can't breathe and i can only hold my breath for so long so then we got to go you know one of the factors too in uh, night fishing is generally you want it calm being that it's calm a lot of times those bugs become an an issue because the reason i say you want it calm is with boat noise and water noise with the wind and everything else being calm generally makes things easier to stay in tune with what you're actually doing. It helps your boat control. Um, I believe it helps the muskies locate the baits and you definitely want to use a larger bait and you want to slow your presentation down where wind doesn't generally allow you to do that. Now, with that all being said, we released last January or February a video on YouTube under our musky man tackle YouTube channel. It's called bump in the night. And It was from quite a few years ago, probably 2011, 2012, something like that, that we videoed that. And it was a 
a crazy blowing night. I mean, a very, very strong wind, probably 15 to 20 mile an hour wind, not your classic nighttime bite, but we struggled all day and we knew that those fish were going to eat at some point. And sure enough, they did after dark and we, we literally cleaned house. I had the same thing happen this past summer. We have that all videoed as well. And pretty, pretty cool night. I got a 49 and a 51 back-to-back cast. So that'll be coming out and put on YouTube sometime this year too. You know, the big thing is, I said it, slow down. Slow down, use a larger bodied bait so that uh, those fish can identify it and find it quickly. Something that vibrates really good in the water and makes a good solid noise so that the fish can help locate as well. And our cowgirl, I don't know. I, I still go back to the double cowgirl when I'm night fishing consistently every time, basically. Um, I believe when we filmed the bump in the night that's on YouTube, I was using the Hurricane, which is another bait that we make. And the reason I chose that bait is, one, it was a prototype bait at the time. It's kind of a unique bait with all the blades that we have on it. And I just figured, hey, this is going to vibrate more than any bait in the boat, and it got the job done. So something to definitely think about is using big profile bait, something that makes a good solid noise in the water and help those muskies identify and, and locate your baits. Do you ever use crankbaits, you know, casting wise, Brad? Is that ever anything? I'm assuming like dive and rise isn't probably going to get as noticed. I would imagine a bulldog or some sort of rubber, medusa, bulldog, whatever. I'm imagining those would probably work well too for nighttime. I'm just guessing, you know, thoughts on any of that? Big rubber definitely displaces a lot of water. And so that definitely, and it's a large target. And I've caught fish on rubber, big rubber after dark, but it's generally not the bait that I want to, that I'm usually going to go to. You, you'd mentioned crankbaits as well. Um, definitely, there's a lot of guys that catch a lot of fish on crankbaits after dark. I, at one time, yeah, this is a long time ago, but I used to love throwing 10-inch believers. And it was an incredible casting bait for after dark. So definitely something to think about as well again they're vibrating the you know the the believer has a bunch of rattles in it so it definitely is going to help something to think about top water too is yeah, always top a, water is always a good nighttime thing the, the, the main thing is you just have to slow down and jeff said it earlier before we were podcasting painfully slow it literally can be painfully slow you like for a bucktail, you get the blades turning and you keep them turning. You don't go any faster. So if somebody's looking to throw rubber bread nighttime fishing, because whenever I did night fishing, it was always big blades to me. It was always the double cowgirl, always. But if somebody's going to throw big rubber, are you pull pausing or are you, or in this instance, would you just be straight retrieving? Because I'm assuming that it's going to be more difficult for a muskie to locate that bait if it's kind of jumping all over the place versus just staying straight line. But like I said, I have zero experience with throwing big rubber at night. It's strictly blades for me. Or like Carrie had mentioned, top water. So what's the tactic with big rubber if you're going to be attempting to use it? Well, you're still going to do a pull pause, but there's been time. I mean, I can remember one time on Malax, it was a, a big moon. I mean, we had, I don't know that it was full moon, but it was half or better. We literally were ripping the baits, and part of that was that the fish were in the weeds, and so what we were doing was we were ripping right through there and literally working it like we would during the daytime. It definitely can work at times, but generally speaking, what I would do 
is I would do a long pull, gather up your slack, do a long pull. So now it's it's getting pulled in the water and it's pausing as you gather up that slack with your rod tip and then pulling again. That's generally the way I would work it. As I said before, you want to slow things down. And generally slowing down is, is the number one key in night fishing. One of the other things that people would probably want to know about would be lighting. Do you have any like battery powered, like bigger lights that you would turn on if if the fish is, you know, if you hook a fish or are you generally using headlamps for everybody in the boat? What's the, what's the lighting setup like that way? For my boat, if I'm filming, yes, I have a lighting setup. And the reason I have that is otherwise you can't capture it on film. But as far as uh, if I was just out, me, you and Carrie were fishing, I would just have you guys wear headlamps. And, you know, it's amazing. I, I can tell you a story about when Carrie one time, she goes, I got one. And I'm like, what? She's like, I got one. There was no splash. There was nothing. And so I, I go, okay. And I flip on my headlamp. And as soon as you flip on your headlamp, that fish goes completely ballistic, right? So what I will tell you is that I think a lot of times less light's better, especially when they eat both sides like that. I know there's guys out there that'll run like a, a red headlamp where they're actually leaving it on the whole time so they can see a follow but, you know, gen- I, I would say that you, you basically, your eyes kind of become in tune. There's a lot of times when you can see the fish follow, even when it's in the pitch black, just a little bit of light pollution that your boat puts off, whether it be, you know, the stern light, the bow lights. That's, if you're on the green side, you can see. Yeah, that's, it's usually enough light, actually, to see that fish follow in anyway. So I don't personally like big, bright lights unless you're trying to film or or take really good pictures or something. So headlamps seem to be the key for me. Sure. The other problem that I know is inherently an issue with night fishing. Some guys is running their leader up into the first guide on their rod. Do you, I know some people tie a knot. I've heard people tie knots like in the front of their line or they put, or they use one of those leaders. That's um, basically goes line to the leader. I don't, I think Greg Thomas has one available through stealth tackle. Greg made those a long time ago, and it definitely works. There's no doubt about it. But I choose not to. I I use what I normally use during the day. I will say that if I have some client rods and we're doing a lot of night fishing, I will usually use that owner, I don't even know. That little glow-in-the-dark bead. It's a really soft, like, gel-style glow-in-the-dark bead. And so that will protect the tip of your rod real easily. I wonder if that's the same one that's on Stealth Tackle actually has a night leader also just for that. It's called the night leader. It's a glow in the dark bead. I wonder if that's the same bead. I'm not positive. Probably. It probably is. I, I know that owner makes them. I have a pack of them laying around here somewhere, but they're they're really cool because I mean it it's I don't know, it's an oversized bead. Yes. Yeah, but it's like squishy. a silicone or Yeah. They're soft, so you smash. You don't smash. If you're going slow enough you can feel it and then you don't you don't have you don't even if you do hit you don't hit hard definitely something that people have to check out then because i know i mean with blades it's easier you kind of have a better idea but even you know even in the limited time i've done it i've still ran it up into my guides because you think you're out there a little bit farther than what you really are and you're not so that's been that's usually that's usually when you set the hook when you when you bump your leader and you're like, oh, <laughs> half asleep in the middle of the night. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a couple solutions there, Jeff. And I, 
I don't know. Doesn't Team Rhino sell them? We sell night leaders. We do sell those. We do not sell the other Greg Thomas leader from Stealth. I'm not positive they still make it. I know I ran it a couple times to play around with it a little bit because there was a time I thought I wanted a night fish. Turns out I didn't really want to that much. <laughs> so we've covered the bases on a lot of things as far as the casting side of it. I'm assuming, you know, structure, you're probably fishing the same structure that you're fishing during the daytime. You're still fishing, you know, weeds and points and tips and rock humps and all that kind of stuff. Or, or are you generally just pushing out to open water? I'm, a, I'm assuming, I know what I always did was typically it was still structure related, whether it be bait fish or regular conventional structure. Is that pretty much what you're doing when you're out fishing yeah, for, at night? For the casting bite, uh, I said it before. Ultimately, you want to try to locate fish during the daytime hours. If you're going out blind, you're just going to have to go to your favorite spots that have always produced fish. It's structure fishing still. Now, if we shift gears, I think you're where you're heading right now is with trolling. That can be structure trolling or it can be the open water. So, I mean, there's two options there. Not that you can't cast the open water because I have, but generally after dark, I'm not going to uh, fish the open water casting anyway. You hit it on the head. Trolling was where I was headed with this one because obviously there's two ways to target muskies. We like to talk about both ways, even though some people think that trolling is still cheating. You and I are of the camp that it's not. It's still just as difficult to catch them that way as it is to catch them casting. So let's talk a little bit about trolling. Bait-wise, bait selection, speed, how fast, how, how like if you're typically trolling, let's just say, 3.5 to 4.5 miles an hour during the daytime. How much are you slowing down when it comes to nighttime? I'm going to hold closer to that, that three at times, even less. So, you know, I, I guess personally I have two and a half to three is generally, generally the speeds that I'm going to use when it comes to trolling after dark. Again, you know, I, I said it with the casting slower is better a lot of times, but you also, depending on what you're trolling, you need to have a bait that uh, some baits need to run a little bit faster than two and a half to make them actually function and work properly. So something to consider as well on uh, on that aspect. Well, another thing that, you know, we've talked about before is knowing exactly how, how your running depth is on your bait, because you're probably going to want to test them at slower speeds and higher speeds to try to try to figure out what your running depth are or is. Because if you, you know, if, if you're trolling typically during the day at 4.2 and then you decide to drop down to 2.5 or 3 miles an hour, that may affect your depth and you're going to really want to know that stuff. So when you're, when you're out trolling, you have a really good idea where your bait is in the water column. Because there's two things that I feel are really important in trolling and I've talked about them before. Our depth, as far as like how deep you're running, and your speed. Those are the two things I try to dial in first. I would agree with that, Jeff. You know, I was kind of chuckling in the back of my mind here thinking about Kevin Goldberg. And, you know, he he's always leaning forward to go faster, faster, faster trolling. It'd be a good question to ask him at some point when he's doing his night trolling if he slows it down a little bit. I've just had better luck slowing things down after dark. And I'm not going to tell you that you can't burn something or troll fast after dark because... I get corrected by different people where they say it all the time. We had this bite this past year and it was insane. We were burning baits after dark and we were crushing fish like crazy. So 
you know, these are just the ideas that I have and what's worked for me. And I think, uh, again, that could be a bait selection thing as well. But uh, it could be a structure thing, too. Like those guys have to burn over rocks. Right. You know, or you're hung up. So it could be all about where you're fishing, too. Yeah. If those fish are tied up to shore and it's really shallow and you need to burn your bait to get it out of there, definitely you got to do that. And I think you touched on that, too, Jeff, that, you know, one bait might run better fast than it does slow. So you need to you need to consider those things as well. Yeah, well, certainly a lot of people, like I said, there's, you know, they kind of look kind of thumb their nose to trolling and it's an effective way to catch them, especially if you're one of those, you know, if you're one of those people that has a difficult time casting and dealing with the various elements that way. I know the times that I've tried some night trolling, typically it's a little better as far as how much, you know, the bugs and the whatever, because you're moving along at two and a half miles an hour, three miles an hour. So you don't have, you, you don't have that, that stuff constantly in your face all the time. You can kind of get away from it a little bit. And so I think people that maybe struggle casting would want to con- consider trolling as an option because I've also, as much as I say, you should cast and you should troll. I think there's certainly times where I'm missing fish because I don't spend as much time night fishing. And I had, Fished with Jeff Vandermortel this past summer. And since we were talking about YouTube, we'll have that on YouTube pretty soon, a video with him and I. But him and I talked about it because we we saw a lot of fish, but they weren't necessarily eating. And he said to me, he's like, well, when they when you see a lot of fish during the day, there's a reasonable chance that they're eating at some point during the day, and it may be nighttime. So maybe we should have been trying nighttime. Obviously, if we're filming like you had talked about, Brad, it's more difficult for you to do that but it's certainly an option for guys that want to get out and try something. If you're seeing a lot of follows during the day, potentially try to target them at nighttime. Yeah, there's no doubt about that for sure. But back to this trolling thing. I mean, were you guys trolling then, Jeff, with you, with Jeff Van Remortal? No, he will never, ever, ever troll. Never. <laughs> He's missing out. Yeah, I won't. Okay. I mean, I won't disagree. There's he, there's certainly times where I think he's missing fish, but again, you know, t- it's it's up to everybody to decide how they want to target muskies. He likes to cast for them. I just like to catch them, so I'm fine with doing whatever I need to do. I really don't care. So that's why I'm I'll try whatever tactic I feel I need to try to catch a muskie. Other guys are just not into that, so we didn't do any trolling with Jeff. It was just straight up casting, which is fine. When I fish with Steve, it's that's how it is most of the time anyways. Him and me and Steve don't hardly ever troll. Up until recently, we never trolled. And that's just because Steve's getting old, so he needs to try to save his body a little bit. Well, it was the first thing that came to my mind when uh, you were talking about Jeff. Um, at some point, somewhere down the road, he'll probably start to troll a little bit. And I never thought I would either. And honestly, I, I'm a caster at heart, but one of the things that kind of got me into this whole, whole trolling thing was that you're covering more water and it allows whether somebody is older that can't physically cast all day, or maybe you got somebody really young who can't physically cast all day. Uh, it, it creates options for people that can do some stuff. And, you know, we're in mid November right now and it's a great option to be able to go out and troll right now. I mean, one of the things that happens this time of the year is cold air temps you know the water's still open but you can only cast so many hours before your reel starts balling up with ice and so on and so forth and yeah you can them in the lake and it keeps you going for a little bit longer but a great option when the air temps get so low 
is to get out there and start trolling as well. And it's not only daytime trolling, it can be nighttime trolling as well. And one of the things that uh, I've seen over the years, we used to do a big trolling party every uh, Thanksgiving where a bunch of different friends and pro staffers and what have you would come up and they'd hang out over the weekend and and we'd have a bunch of stuff in the crock pots. We'd hit the water all day, sometimes into the dark. And I can remember over a period of years, some of the best bites that we ever had were like two, three hours into the dark and pretty remarkable to think about. But, you know, trolling after dark can definitely be effective. No doubt about that. All right, Brad, I think we gave everybody a good rundown on how to how to start out night fishing. We didn't dive in super deep, but at some point throughout the course of the winter, because now we are we're pretty much setting into winter, most of us are done fishing. We will probably try to find some guests and, and we'll try to dive, keep trying to dive more into that because we want to try to give everybody some knowledge to help broaden their base. You know, as we've always mentioned on the podcast, our goal with the podcast is always to give people more information to help them catch more fish. If people are catching more fish, they're having more fun, they're going to spread the, you know, they're going to be wanting to grow the sport by telling their friends, getting other people involved. So that's kind of been our deal. And so I think we kind of did that tonight. Like I said, we're more than willing to dive into it deeper with other people. Like you had mentioned Kevin Goldberg. I certainly wouldn't mind getting Kevin back on the podcast at some point to just continue to further to, to talk to him about uh, not just trolling, but his musky knowledge in general. Obviously, he's a great troller, and we want to continue to pursue that. But just in general, just try to keep hitting him up for some knowledge. We don't want him to be the every week guest, but Kevin's done done a really good job, and we heard a lot of people talk about how much they liked Kevin's podcast. Well, he's a super knowledgeable guy, and he knows how to express it, I guess, is probably the, the best part. I think a lot of times there's a lot of good fishermen out there, and they just don't know how to express that to to the public, if you will. Or they're not willing to. Yeah, or they're secretive, right? I would say not willing to is very, like, there's certain people that are definitely not willing to express it. And that's fine. I mean, I certainly understand it. I get why people don't. We always say, like, you can give a lot of people knowledge, but just because you gave them the knowledge doesn't necessarily mean they're going to put it to action. So hopefully we can get people that want to put this to action and catch more muskies. I would totally agree with that, Jeff. I, I think it's one of them deals I learned a long time ago with my guiding. You know, if you're going to be out guiding, you're showing people stuff that uh, they're going to come back and try to use. And, you know, that's the whole purpose of them hiring a guide. I think it's important that we broaden the horizons of other fishermen. And, you know, the neat thing about it is ultimately I learn things from guys that maybe they've only been fishing muskies two years, but I'll learn something from them. It's amazing what can be shared in the boat. Absolutely. So turning topics, one thing we had talked that we were going to mention tonight was Black Friday. Black Friday is coming up. For Team Rhino Outdoors, we're going to offer up 10% on everything. I think I typically start it like actually the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We will have one more podcast coming up before Black Friday, and I'll get you all the official details on it. But for anybody that wants to know, because we've been getting some emails and Facebook messages talking about holiday sales, we offer one sale per year. So if you want something from Team Rhino Outdoors that's custom that you had been waiting on, this is it. We aren't like the other retailers out there that are going to offer discount after discount after discount all winter long because, honestly, if I don't sell it at Thanksgiving, I need the inventory to go to shows. And right now, 
with everybody building for show stock, sometimes it's difficult for us to start getting inventory within the next couple months. So like I said, typically it's going to be, we're probably going to run it through from Wednesday through Cyber Monday is when we typically run the sale and it'll be 10% off everything. So if you've been holding out on a Backlash podcast t-shirt or hoodie next week, I believe, yeah, it's next week already is the week to get it. So Carrie, you want to talk a little bit about what's going on for Black Friday, Cyber Monday over at Muskie Mayhem? I had heard like 90% off everything. Is that right? No, no, that's not correct, Jeff. We do our biggest sale that we do for the year on Black Friday. That is 20% off everything on the site except for the Backlash podcast t-shirts and sweatshirts. Because if you want those over the Black Friday sale deal, you need to order them from Jeff at Team Rhino. And then gift cards. But otherwise, everything else will be 20% off. Um, it is the biggest sale that we do of the year and probably the last sale of the year. Because us two, we need to start or continue building for next year's stock, for one, and for shows and everything else. So, and Just so everybody knows, we don't have a bunch of leftover stuff that, that's been sitting around here. And that's why we're offering 10% off. We have... Uh, no. We don't either. We've been continuing to order all through the fall so far, even though, you know, typically everybody knows that sales are going to be a little slower in November, but we ordered as if it's August. So for Black Friday, I think you're going to see our, probably our best selection of baits and colors that we've had, I would imagine, in months because most everybody has come through recently. I know we have a box here from Muskie Mayhem that's been sitting here for, I don't know, a week that I will have online I hopefully we'll have some clothing that hasn't been online for that sale. Um, Muskie Innovations, I'm going to go pick up another big order tomorrow on top of the other big orders that they've been sending us. Chaos Tackle recently has given us a really big order. Phantom Lures, Lungeon Lures, we've gotten all that stuff in recently. So we're really, we're stocked as well as we have been. So if you're looking to get that stuff Earlier is probably better, and this is, like I said, the perfect time for anybody that wants to buy something from us for 10% off. Right. We we do have some new clothing, some new hats. We just got in a new sweatshirt last week. You can also, on our website, build custom colors. So if you have a custom color that, say, maybe you bought at a show or one you wanted to dream up, you can go directly to our website select your colors, select your blades, select your weight, even on in most cases, and order that custom bait right off the website from us. And you can do it in basically, I think in every bait, except for like the rabbit squirrels. And I think the rabbit squirrels are the only ones that you can't order custom in blades. Does that sound right? Yeah, I believe so. So, yeah, you could order a custom baby girl, you could order a custom junior, you could order a custom supermodel, single girl, whatever, whatever you're looking for. I'm looking for a couple new customs. I haven't seen the pictures uh, yet. Still waiting. I, I have a whole box of custom skirts that we haven't even touched yet. I don't know what the problem is. Get out of the tree stand and get this stuff taken care of already. That, that could have been part of the problem. Yeah. So, and, and we will. We have a whole box of stuff that we're going to potentially build new colors for shows see how they go and then maybe opt a few of the good ones into the line and see but yeah so that we have we have some cool stuff coming for show season this year colors wise we have the rabbit squirrel that's new and then we have the rabbit girl 
that's new too that I don't know if anybody are you even aware of the rabbit girl Jeff yeah we talked about it briefly on the podcast a couple weeks back okay but so I that'll be, as far we'll as like in extra intel I didn't get any extra intel I'm not that special yet <laughs> well it's musky mayhem's twist on the rabbit squirrel so you know, Brad kept that one under his hat all year long. I didn't get to hear about it, see it, nothing. You'd think that since I talked to him every week on the podcast, that he would have at least dropped a couple hints, but nothing. This top, <laughs> this is top secret. Well, it was something that we had talked about back in June, and you know, when we purchased Rabbit Squirrel from Billy, we had zero inventory basically, so we had to start building an inventory, and you know, we trickled it out to the retailers and. It's been a it's been a crazy year of just trying to get that all under grips. There's uh there's definitely demand for the rabbit rabbit squirrel. And so, you know, the rabbit girl was something that uh we kind of wanted to play with, but I don't think I got one until about August. And literally August, the very first day with the uh the first rabbit girl in the boat we put a giant 46 inch fish in the boat that was just a big fat fish and it was really cool got it on video really cool hit almost boat side probably five seven feet away from the boat and okay it's gonna work so definitely uh something that i don't know if the retailers will receive it i know you don't want to hear that jeff to begin with anyway but uh it's something that we're going to take to the shows with us and i believe it'll be online um Oh, on our website at least the leftovers so at least the leftovers from the show season but uh definitely something to check out and uh, you know our hopes would be that once we get the rabid squirrel under control that maybe the rabid girl can be more of a mainstay bait as well and for anybody that doesn't own a rabid squirrel i highly recommend them even before brad and carrie bought them when monster lures had them and those things just caught a bunch of fish i don't know what it is about it exactly because if you're looking for, like, if you put it in the water and you compare it next to a double cowgirl, it doesn't look that great as far as the, the, the skirt doesn't move great or whatever. It looks kind of, I don't know, to use a word, like, it looks like a turd, I guess. But those fish just react to that bait. I don't know what it is. You got any idea, Brad? It's pretty incredible how well they work. Well, the profile is extremely small. There's no doubt about it as far as diameter of the skirting. It's a unique bait. There's no doubt about it. I, I personally was never a big fan. I kind of became a fan this summer, honestly. I Back when Tanner Wilds was making them, I had some in the boat, and I'd have some clients throw them, and we caught fish on them, but I never consistently used them. Um, this summer, I think actually Billy and his son came up to do some filming with me, and basically... Billy's kid just started throwing it and was moving fish after fish. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess it's time for me to start throwing some more of these. And and we, we caught a lot of fish on them. We really did. So kind of a neat deal. It's amazing how much more you like a brand when you own it, huh, Brad? <laughs> like, I mean, a squirkle, for example, it's pretty much my favorite glide bait now. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. You know, I, I mean, I use all kinds of baits. It isn't that I just use musky man tackle stuff, but it's a little bit weird with certain baits. And, you know, we make such an array of baits already in, in the spinner side of things that I really don't need to go out and choose anybody else's. But 
you know, it's funny. Like I said before, you know, you got a guy that's only fished two years and you learn something from him. It happens. And so, I mean, an old dog can learn new tricks. There's no doubt about it. And it's important to uh, brighten our horizons when it comes to being a muskie fisherman. Well, I think for, I don't know, Carrie, what episode is this one? 30. Is it 32? 3? 3? 33? 33, I think. All right, good old Larry Bird. Anyways, I think that'll be about... Uh, that'll I never pretty... picked you as a basketball fan. What's that? I never picked you as a basketball fan. I'm I'm more old school basketball. I'm not into this new school, shoot it from three-point lane all the time. I'm more into the old school, you know? Take it inside, shoot the easy Level shot. Someone. Yeah, more Shaquille O'Neal, less Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> you never cease to amaze me, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just showing you that you know I don't know just I don't just know about Sunday night football, which is typically what I do when we podcast on Sunday nights. I have the TV on in the shop on mute, and I get to watch football while Brad talks to a guest about fishing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's put a wrap on Larry Bird. Anyways, talk about Backlash Podcast. I'll hit you with that. I'll hit it with that first. So you can reach Backlash Podcast at backlashpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, a whole bunch of places to find podcasts. So if you found us once, you should be able to find us again. But if you want to tell your friends, go check that out. Speaking of friends or anything or helping us out, if you could, if you listen on iTunes, Give us a rating. We prefer it to be five stars, but if you really think that we suck, be honest with us and do do whatever you think that the podcast deserves by giving us a rating. It helps us rank a little higher in search volume and whatever on iTunes so we can potentially get more listeners. We don't we don't make any money off the podcast, but Brad and I just want more listeners because we're greedy. Um, as far as Team Rhino Outdoors goes, you can check out Team Rhino Outdoors at TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. Same as I mentioned before, we're a retailer. We sell a whole bunch of custom stuff. We, this year, we've been doing a bunch of stock stuff as well. We're, like I said earlier, we're stocked up. We got a lot of stuff. So if you need, send your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister over, and you want a gift, check out Team Rhino Outdoors for all your gift ideas. Sadly, we're talking about Christmas and gifts. You can find us on YouTube primarily because that's where we've been putting out most of our content right now except for last week i missed but anyways you can find us on youtube team rhino outdoors you can find us on facebook instagram and occasionally we'll tweet and if you want to send me an email it's team rhino outdoors at gmail.com my other company would be knockout musky baits check me out on instagram and facebook we're not doing a whole lot there yet but we're doing something uh, i think that's it for all of my companies and the podcast why don't you guys talk about musky mayhem tackle and then uh, we'll get out of here, and we'll have to talk a little bit about trying to find a new guest for next week. Well, it's Brad and Carrie from Muskie Mayhem Tackle, and you can reach out to us on muskymayhemtackle.com, or you can look us up on Facebook as well as Instagram. I'd uh, love to hear from you. appreciate all of our customers, and without you, we couldn't do what we do. Carrie, you got anything to add? I think he's got it covered. We do have a little bit on YouTube, and we will have more on YouTube coming out this winter we, we are saving the best for the worst time of the year and so i think that's all i got you want to say hi to any particular fans that send you fan mail <laughs> no i don't hi to all of them how about that you know what's really funny jeff is that me and you have consistently been here to do the work and she's the only one with fans yep 
Sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty typical. Well, we all know she's the reason the podcast even has any listeners. If it wasn't for her in the first couple episodes, we'd probably still be just your mom and my mom, Brad. <laughs> exactly. I don't think it's, I think it's more about, about fishing than me. Is that what it is? Really? Yeah, I think so. I didn't think so. I think it's about you. It's not about fishing hardly. I'm it maybe helps that I fish, but it's still about fishing. I'm thinking that most people listen to the intro when they're like, yep, it's just Jeff and Brad this week. They just go like, all right, I'll wait till next week. Not according to what I've heard. So, but is Brad telling you different? No, I, I get to see some of the comments. <laughs> <laughs> yep. See Brad, people email her comments. That's how important she is. <laughs> I handle the Instagram accounts. <laughs> and uh. I can facebook account so there all right well it's been fun thanks for joining me again tonight we'll see you guys all next week all right jeff take care you too good night